It's uh, so good to see you guys. Hope you're doing well. Uh, let me just say, if this is your first time at Fathom Church, welcome. I, I really pray that this is a, a great opportunity, not only for you to encounter some other people, meet some other people, but to encounter God in a fresh way and just to engage with the body of believers and, and just be encouraged and to, to walk in the fullness of the life that God's called you to. And so uh, we're thrilled. Um, we're about halfway through a series this um, July uh, called Un. Plugged, but it's really exploring the principle and the life-giving principle of Sabbath. And, and Sabbath sounds like maybe a super um, antiquated term, a super old term uh, to just say rest. Um, but it's really a life-giving principle if we'll really understand it. And uh, so we've been talking about that for the past couple weeks, and we're going to continue it. But in, as opposed to looking at the physical side of, of Sabbath principle, we're actually going to be looking at more the emotional and the spiritual side of that. And it's kind of apropos because um, I came off vacation um, right before last Sunday, super physically rested, and knowing like what God had on my heart for, for this coming week, um, man, it, I just felt the heaviness that our church body is going through in your lives, um, many of you. Some of you, like, it, maybe there's not a heaviness, maybe there's not a burden, but I just felt that, um, and, and it was so, I think, important for me to feel that throughout this week in just a very deep sense of the emotional and kind of spiritual battle that's going on in your lives as we approach this scripture um, today in, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. So we'll be looking at that here in, in just a moment. Um, but if you know me well, or as you're getting to know me, you'll probably know, some people call me OCD, and, and um, I, I accept it because there are some very OCD, OCD things uh, about my life. And it's funny, um, like, like my look is not exactly the look of an OCD person. Like most time I don't, ring, I don't iron my shirts and I, I never shave my beard and my hair is just kind of crazy. Um, and so it doesn't look like OCD on the outside, but on the inside, it's like lots of OCD. And uh, I was thinking about our habits and our routines and how Sabbath is a habit and it's a routine. And, um, you know, I think you've probably got some habits and routines, even if you're not as OCD as I am. Like you've got a certain routine in the morning you, when you go to certain restaurants, you get usually the same thing or the same stuff, and uh, you, you, you brush your teeth, shower, and take the same roads to work every day. We have some kind of habits, some kind of routines, and the sad thing that most of our routines are missing is, is a Sabbath, is a Sabbath rest. And you know what's funny is we're going to look in chapter 11 of Matthew, but what's funny is in chapter 12, Jesus becomes like the rebel that breaks the Sabbath. So there's blow up the whole series, like Jesus breaks the Sabbath himself by actually healing someone. They weren't even supposed to do good, and Jesus kind of brings such a fullness to this principle that it was less about what day you chose, and it was less about, um, you know, just the rituals and the religion and this being a law, but it was about the life-giving relationship that Jesus wanted us to have um, with God. And, and so we, we have to really begin to figure out, okay, how does this fall into my life. If you actually take your phone, I don't have my phone with me right now, but if you open your phone and you probably have a calendar app, go ahead and open that calendar app real quick and look at it in the month form. And this is true of any calendars, but most of you don't carry like a, an old school calendar, the big Chick-fil-A calendar. You don't carry that around, but you've got one on your phone. And what's the first day reading left or right? Sunday. Right? Everybody with me? Same thing on your phone? Nobody's got like a weird one that starts on Tuesday or something going left or right? Um, yeah, that, that's kind of the normal thing. And, and when the Jews, when, when they were given this, well, obviously we see it first in creation and God rests on what? He rests on the seventh day. So at the very end of the, the work week for Jesus, he 
rest. But as it, it went into um, the, the Jews being commanded this and living this, it really became sundown at Friday night all the way to, to sundown on Saturday night. It was a 24-hour period where they stopped and rested. They didn't do anything. They didn't even turn on a light switch. Like, that was too much work. It was a really religious, really intense version of what we, we teach. Um, and, and you'll still find Jews here. They pre- don't prepare. Uh, they, they prepare all their meals ahead of time so they don't have to do any work whatsoever. They eat cold foods or they just open the fridge and go for it. Um, so there's this routine that they were in that was very religious. And, and I think if we look at our week and as it's changed, for many of you, your Sabbath, if you were to pick one, will fall on the weekend. It'll fall Saturday, it'll fall Sunday. And as I was thinking about our habits and routines and Sabbath, where it falls in it, most of us, we're always working for the weekend, right? All right? Are we always working for the week? Wouldn't it just be a crazy idea, because there's only like some of us a day is your weekend, some of it's a day and a half, some of it's two days. Wouldn't it be amazing if that paradigm shifted? And like where we worked for the, like the week, like the weekend was about the week? Like, wouldn't that be cool to have like five days or six days we were excited about as opposed to having one or one? Any, anybody would like that? Like, I mean, that sounds like really cool and really like mind-boggling to even figure out or grasp what that might look like. And I think that, that God is longing for us. And so I just wonder, what if we, we started viewing our week a little differently? That our Sabbath wasn't a rest after a long week, but it, it was that too. But it, it was a, a day in which we rested and we became refreshed and And that first day, that first day of the week, that Sunday or that Saturday, would begin to bleed into the next six days and inspire the next six days where we would trust God more, where we would hear God's voice better in those six days than what we did before, where we would be refreshed to to live vibrantly and efficiently and enjoy our life and not just drive through the week, uh, through the monotony and just pray for a day off and hope to recoup. Like, it would be amazing for that to be switched. So I, I think some of it comes from the, the physical rest, and Jesus is going to have a clear message for those that need physical rest. But I, I also want to hammer on just the spiritual and emotional rest and what that really looks like, because what good is the physical rest if our mind is constantly flooded and our spirit's constantly burdened? Because that's kind of what was a weird thing for me this week is I got off vacation, and all of a sudden my body's super you know, um, you know, super rested, but here I am, and I just feel the weight of the world. I'm f- feeling that. And so I think it's so important that we grasp wholly this principle of Sabbath, even in our emotions. So let's go to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to pick up at the very end of the chapter, just three verses. And um, for those of you that get weary of me bouncing all over the place to lots of different scriptures, we're going to look at these three scriptures, and that's it today. So if you have trouble following me sometimes today, Uh, you'll be okay, okay? So Matthew 28, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's like such an inspirational scripture that many times we run to, come to me, all your weary and, and heavy burdened. And, and um, so let's begin to unpack this a little bit. I love, it, it, the f- verse 28 begins with a, an invitation. It begins with an invitation to come. An invitation to come. And it's addressed specifically to two groups of people. 
people who are physically tired, very weary, this, the, the, where this root of this word comes from is physical labor, like you're just burnt out and you're toast. Uh, anybody ever been there before? Okay, yeah, we've all been there where we're just exhausted, like we're just over it, we need some rest. So it's addressed to you, it's an invitation to you. And for those of you that have ever carried a burden of any sort, like something that has kept your heart heavy, and I think that would be everybody in this room, there's something in your life that's burdening you spiritually and emotionally, whether that's a strained relationship or that's strained finances, that's something that's physical that goes into the very practical and emotional part of our life, if it's um, any aspect of it, even if it's a positive burden, like we have a burden for the poor, or you have the, a burden for our nation and just kind of the shape that our nation's in, all those positive things get, can get out of control to where we really become stunted in our relationship with God, and we don't know how to find that rest that he says we're going to find when we come to him. And so I, I think first we've got to say, hey, this, this is an invitation. This isn't an invitation for somebody else, but this is an invitation for me personally, um, because sometimes even when like, things are, are going considerably well, we begin to think of all other people that need to hear this. But I, I would just say, let's, let's take this home. Like, let's let this resonate within each of us because all of us at one time or another are going to be physically or emotionally just toast and burnt out. And I've been there and I've been there a lot on both of these. And, and, and Jesus' simple message is, come to me. And the, the next message that he says is, I will give you rest. So it's an invitation followed by a promise. Your promise remains forever you reign. Like we were just singing that. It's an invitation followed by a promise. So in this, this invitation to us, it, it doesn't stop there just to come. And I think if we really ask ourselves, okay, so what does it mean to come to Jesus, right? I mean, some of you, when you were kids, Jesus, you, you know, your dad said, we're going to have a come to Jesus meeting. And he didn't know anything about Jesus, but he just knew that we need to talk, you know, that, that's maybe what we, we think of. And I don't know what a, a, a coming to Jesus really looks like in our lives other than opening the scriptures on a daily basis. And, and most of us, our routine is, you know, when things are really bad or on the weekends for, for church or, or anytime there's a time to gather, that's when we come to Jesus. But really the Monday through, through Saturday, many times we're not flocking there first. And I, I love what Jesus says in his Sermon on the Mount where he says, seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. He's saying, put me first. Like, what if we, we flipped the whole paradigm and we first sought Jesus and didn't wait till we were so weary and burdened out, even though Jesus invites us to come in that? What, what if we put him first and, and let that switch the paradigm of what our week looked like? Wouldn't it be nice to go through our week and just have a great week? Great week walking with the Lord, growing in a relationship with Him. And it, when it gets down to um, the, the very end of, of uh, that verse 28, it says, I will give you rest for your souls. I will give you rest. Not you'll work for rest. Not you'll, you'll work and make a whole bunch of things. No, I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. And so I think we have to first understand that what Jesus is offering is available. Like this life, this light burden, this easy load that he calls for us, though we may have never experienced that in our life, it's available because he says, I'm going to give it to you. You're not going to have to work for it. Now we're going to have to find it, as the next verse will tell us, but we won't have to work for it. It's about taking his work. And that's really what verse 29 says after this verse, first verse. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. 
for I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. So take my yoke upon you. That, that sounds super weird, like anyone's immediately think of eggs. Anybody think of eggs? Like, I, this first thing I think of is eggs. Like, I think of an egg on your head, you know? Like, take my yoke upon you. It's, um, it's a little bit weird. But for everybody that Jesus was speaking to, mostly a pe- uh, peasant culture here, everybody knew exactly what he was talking about. Uh, an antique yoke, um, it, it, I, I was meant to have a marker board up here to show you, um, but it, it would kind of have a, a curvature that went over a cow or a donkey's neck, uh, and it would end right here, and most of the time, it was, it was attached to another. They'd get two of them working together. They'd get a lot more done. The one donkey wouldn't get tired. He'd have a friend along the way, um, and, and so that was a, a joke. I don't know if donkeys really have friends, but um, so they'd get it in, so it'd kind of have like this kind of Humpty Dumpty kind of look of it, and then there would be two poles that would come down beside, wooden poles, come right down beside the cattle or the donkey's neck, and sometimes it would have a curvature. It would have like a U-shape that went up through the, the, the brace that held them together. So they'd each have one of those, or sometimes they'd tie rope at the bottom to keep them. And then there'd be some kind of rope or some kind of connecting to the person that was going to walk them into the areas that they want to graze or plow or whatever they're doing. So that, that's what uh, this yoke that Jesus is talking about, and all the peasant culture that he's um, you know, speaking to mostly in, in this text, know exactly what he's saying, and he's not just saying anything about an egg or, or just saying exchange something, but he's speaking some really deep things in our life. And, and the yoke is really um, kind of huge about what he's saying. So take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And I think it, it really resonates in three different ways, three different understandings that the, the, the people at the time hadn't understanding what this yoke did. One, it was the work of Jesus. It, it was it was the work. It was a, the yoke was a symbol of work. Like what are yokes used for? Work. It was an immediate thought of okay, they're used to get things done, and work. So uh, immediately, the first thing that comes to mind when Jesus says, "Take my yoke upon you," is take my work upon you. Right? We're really consumed with our careers and, and with our work and like things that are important to make money and like live. And Jesus is saying in this coming, in this invitation, he gives a command to take my yoke upon you. Like, if you're going to find it, if we're going to find what I'm giving you that he says later here, you got to take my yoke upon you. you got to take my work. Don't think it relies on you. And at the end of the day, the majority, uh, if you're a believer in Jesus, you will believe what I'm saying, and we will, we will have a very difficult time living that out. It's easy to say, I believe that what Jesus did is enough, but then we go out, and, and it's just this constant battle and wrestling about my work over his. And the Sabbath is an understanding of what Jesus did. Uh, and it's a reminder of that as we launch into the first thing, so, or into the, the next part of our week. So I think the first thing that connects in the peasant culture and in our mind is when we take our, you know, follow this command of Jesus, is to take his work on us. Not what we've done in our own righteousness, but in Jesus' righteousness uh, when he went to the cross. The second is, a, is the burden. It's just considered, man, it's a heavy load that they carry. What Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and burdened, he's connecting this idea here, because it's just a, a heavy load, and I think Jesus would be saying to us, don't just kind of take my work, but also take my work as your work, like the things that I care about, the, the burden that I have, exchange what you're kind of going through and the burden you're so consumed with, with the things that I'm consumed with, the things that I'm so passionate about, and let that inspire the life that I've called you to. So it's not only like that, but it's also direction. Remember I said the yoke was a symbol that they would it was something they would connect, and that's how they would walk them around. They would steer them with this yoke. Other times, there was like bits in the mouth, and they'd pull them with those things. 
but the yoke had a, a clear sense and an idea that there was, there was going to be direction that took place. So I think it's kind of threefold. The Sabbath is about taking on Jesus' work, his burden for the kingdom and for life, um, but also about his direction in our life. When we take on this yoke and, and this idea that vivid imagery, most of them didn't do it with just one cattle or one donkey, but they would do it with both. And so there's this imagery of getting in the yoke with Jesus. That D- Jesus doesn't just hand it over to you and be like, good luck with this, chief. But he's saying, look, we're going to work through this together. You're going to learn from me. Some of you might have been tossed into jobs at some point in your life in which nobody trained you and you just had to figure it out or you started a new business and you just had to figure it out. Um, but Jesus is saying, I'm not just throwing you to the wolves to figure this out. Some of you that are parents in the house, when that baby came home, you're like, seriously, we just got to figure this thing out? Like there's no manual or anything. But Jesus is not just saying, take this upon you and peace out. Good luck with it. He's saying, look, I, I, you're going to learn from me. I'm going to be right beside you, walking every step of the way. And so for some of you that are without answers for what direction God's leading you, you're trying to understand maybe the burden or the work of Jesus. Jesus is saying, look, I, I'm not letting you go on this alone. But in fact, you're getting in here with me and to learn from me. Last week, I, I really highlighted three points of what the Sabbath is really about. And the first was uh, Sabbath is about learning to trust God. It's about trust. It's about trust in God. And then secondly, to hear God's voice. When we slow down, we're able to hear God's voice. And part of that is now we're able to learn, not just been able to be comforted in that, in, 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 uh, encouraged for our week, but actually to be able to taught be able to be taught. Because some of our habits, some of our routines need to change. God's not at the beginning of our routine. He's at the very end. He gets the very last thing. He gets the very, whatever's left over. And and I'm just telling you, God's not asking for leftovers. God is a jealous God, and he longs for the very first fruits of our life in every aspect of our life, the first fruits in, in our work life. And I think that's why changing that perspective that our calendars help us with it's the first day, and if, it's, if Sabbath is on Tuesday for you, then whatever help, helps you figure that out. Um, but ultimately, I believe God's calling us to get in there with him and, and, and to take on his work, not our own, take on his burden, not our own, and to, to let him lead us, let him, let him teach us uh, along the way. So it's an invitation followed by a promise in the first verse, and then here it's a command and then there's a reminder of, of his character. For I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. When I tell Beckett and he's doing something wrong, um, I, you know, usually you get this dad voice. In fact, uh, our um, younger son is uh, Camden is a little bit of a tougher child to raise. Um, just put it lightly. Most of the time when we say his name, we say his first and middle name. So that's pretty much his first name. We always say his middle name. Like that's just the type of personality we're raising in him. Um, but particularly with Beckett, because he's a little bit older, when I say in a really stern voice, like, come here right now, like, stop doing what you're doing, or, or, or I'm really hardcore about it. You know what the first, you know what the first thing he wants to do when I'm stern like that? Is like not come. Because I immediately put fear in his life, right? Like I immediately, and like sometimes like we need a little fear of God in, in our life, a little fear of dad in our life. And, and so sometimes I do that, and, and, he's, and he's waits. But the times where I've walked over to him and said, hey bud, sit down with me. You know, let's talk. 
Uh, and all personalities are different, okay, and we'll go into the whole parenting thing another time. Um, but I've seen that in my child. And, and mo- most of the time, when we, we look at running to God and, and coming to Jesus in response to this invitation, most of the time, we're afraid to come because our junk isn't together. Like, we're, we're afraid of judgment. I, I think innate in this journey is we're fearful of judgment. judgment. And, and God, Jesus, through this, is painting a picture of the love of the Father. If you look at verse 29, it says, I'm gentle and humble in heart. I mean, of all words that he could choose to use to describe himself, he uses gentle. The one word that could immediately put to rest any fear that we would have of coming to him in our insecurities, coming to him in our failures, he says, I'm gentle. Like, it's safe to come to me. You're not going to get hit with a rod, but my grace is sufficient for you. And so I think we have to grab a hold of a full picture of what Jesus is saying here. Go back to verse 29, if you will. Um, And it doesn't, what's interesting to me is verse 28, the very end, it says, I will give you rest for your souls. And what does verse 29 end with? You will find it. Well, which is it, Jesus? Are we going to, you going to give it or are we going to find it? And I think it, it I kind of get this picture of Jesus planting something or setting it down. And we do, as we're learning and as we're walking with him, you find it for ourselves. You know what I mean? Many times when we talk about, think about the song, Amazing Grace, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Um, I saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Many times there's this conversation back and forth. Well, do we find God or does he find us? Does he find us? And I think it's a a pretty straightforward idea to grab a hold of and understand that it's both. Like there's there's an essence that he's given it to us, that we don't have to work for it. But it's also something that we have to find and we have to explore and let be illuminated in our heart and learn from God in. And so if you're in this place today and, and you're just saying, oh, no, God's just, when he makes it clear, he's going to make it clear, and you're not doing anything to pursue, anything to uncover and explore, to find it, then I would just say, just get in there with him and let him teach you. Open the scriptures. Don't be afraid because he's gentle and he's humble in heart. Don't be afraid to pray because you don't have super elaborate prayers or you don't feel like you've got anything to pray about or you don't even know how to pray. Like don't, he's gentle and he's humble in heart. You've got nothing to be afraid of. Don't you love approachable people? Like I love people that are just easy to talk to, don't you? I mean, maybe you love super awkward people that are, are kind of, are super proud, maybe not. Um, but I love people that are super approachable and easy to talk to, easy to engage with. And I think we've got to get that picture I guess maybe that we've seen classic, uh, not classically, but through um, kind of Americanization of um, uh, portraits of Jesus with a child on his lap. You know, we just get this picture of him inviting this child to sit on his lap and someone that's so easily approachable. And then finally, like this ends up for here in, in verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's easy and it's light. Um, don't you wish you had the easy button for life? You know, like they, they, they did good with that thing. Um, because life, we just wish like there was an easy button. I wish there was an easy button with my faith. I wish that when I came to Jesus, 
Like, I just learned everything I'll ever need to know in that moment. I, I wish that I would just understand all the depths of God's wisdom and knowledge, and I wish all my baggage was just completely checked at the door when it just feels like it keeps haunting me sometimes, you know. I, I wish there was an easy button for life. I wish there was a redo button, you know, but there's not. And so I think we, we have to get this picture of what Jesus ends this chapter with, and not that it was a chapter when he said it, um, but that it's easy and light. And so many of us, like our burden is heavy. Um, our yoke is, is hard. Some of us, are har- our hearts are very hard. Even in this room that we won't even allow God to get close to us because we're just, we're, we're, we're beat up and we're damaged and we can't let God get close. And his invitation to come um, scares us. It scares us because we know it's hard. Um, because we know what we're going through is heavy and we need answers for that heaviness. And I think, I think the simple kind of simplicity of this message that Jesus brings us, come to me. Come to me. It's just an invitation to, to lay um, both our, our work at his feet and our burdens at his feet. And, and not that those things immediately go away. That they end up following us. That's why Jesus says, get in here and learn from me. This is not all going to happen in an instant, in a moment. But if you walk with me, if you walk with me every day, I'm going to inspire a new life in you. I'm going to inspire the, the, the yoke that's easy. I'm going to inspire the burden that's light. You're going to learn to walk in that, this life I've called you to. And you think about what Jesus has done for us at the cross. And... Um, it's hard, to, it's hard to grasp just the fullness of what Jesus did in the moment as he died on the cross and was, rose, rose from the dead. I mean, it's just, it's a little bit overwhelming to, to grasp and to realize that, man, that was for me. It wasn't just for somebody else, it was for them too, but it was for me. When that gets personal, we see what he went through, and we're like, man, Jesus, what you did was not so easy and was not so light. I mean, you even in the garden, Jesus, were like, if it's possible for this to be passed from me. That would be awesome. But you said, not my will, but yours be done. God, not my direction, but yours done. Not my burden for how I feel like things should go, but yours be done. And I think in this place, like God's wanting us to exchange, exchange the baggage we're carrying for the yoke that's easy and a burden that's light. What he's already accomplished for us, the burden of his kingdom, and, and so many times we, we leave things in an altar area, we leave them at a cross, and we pick them back up and we walk out. And um, I just want to remind you, and this is nowhere on my notes at all, but that this is a battle. Like, it, it's a battle. There's, there's a spiritual battle going on for your life and for your soul. And if you, if you are walking closer to God and you feel resistance, like, there is a reason for that. And press through, like God's refining you by the fires. And I believe that he, he does that in order to, to purify our hearts and prepare us to walk out his goodness, to walk out his yoke, his direction, his work, his righteousness. God's calling us to that life today. And, and I just know there's many of us in the room that, that you've got some burdens, some things on your heart. Maybe it's for a sibling, maybe it's for a spouse, maybe it's for a friend, maybe it's for the church, maybe it's you know, in your own life, health, finances, you, you name it, um, we've all got them, and, and the message is very simple today. 
Uh, come to Jesus, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. From gentle and humble in heart, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Simple and straightforward to just come to him. And I pray that we would learn in the Sabbath. I pray that we learn in the stopping and listening to his voice. We'd learn from him. We learn that he's not leaving us out there on our own. We'd have the correct perspective of who God is. That he's not out there just waiting to hit us with a, a lightning bolt. But he says, come and learn from me. Come and you'll find rest for your souls. I'm going to invite you to stand in this moment. I got the image of that, um, of that yoke in my head um, this week and I just started thinking about what Jesus' yoke was. It was easy, it was light, it's the cross, it's his grace, it's his love, it's all those things. And I started thinking about the yokes that we're carrying, you know. So I just want you to bow your heads for a second and I'm going to invite you to come to the cross, um, to come to the table of communion um, that represents Jesus' body broken and poured and his blood poured out for us. Um, I'm going to invite you to come, but before we do, I want you to get an image of the things that are burdening you right now. And I just want you to just picture yourself just etching those in a yoke, like a physical wooden yoke. I just want you just to get a picture of yourself etching those things in there, maybe with a knife or a really sharp rock, and you're just etching these things like you'd be writing Kyle Loves Taryn on a tree or something. I just want you to get the picture of this and just etching those things, those burdens that you're carrying right now. It's important that you identify those things. You call them by name so when they show back up again this week, you, you say, no, I get to run to Jesus. His burden's easy and it's light. That doesn't mean all our problems are gone and solved, but we find emotional rest and Sabbath for our souls. They're going to lead us in a song in a few moments and, and um, there'll be some folks at the crosses and you can just come to the cross and pray by yourself if you want. Um, and just know more than anything on that, on that yoke is etched. Jesus loves you. He's gentle. His burden's easy. His burden, there's the yoke's easy. His burden is light. So I invite you to come as you are. Come and, and let the Lord do his work in your life today. Find rest for your soul.